And we're back with another episode of the Return of the Roar podcast, sitting side by side for anybody watching on YouTube, you know, live at headquarters. We are not, yeah, in a in prison or mm. we are not in a dark situation here. Uh, just no art behind us, just in, an, in a vacant yeah. office here at Sacktown Sports 1140. Uh, need some decoration, but good to be yeah. here next to you, man, in you person. Know, we are the decoration. You we, know? Are, we are the decoration. We are. We, we are. are. And the Kings got a little bit of decorations. That was an attempted segue. Well, it's not, well, it's not like Golden State where <laughs> they, they drop streamers after every win. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Can we talk about that for a quick <laughs> before we get into the – I kind of forgot that happened. What are you – I don't want to hear the, the Warriors fan base getting after the Kings with the beam and the picture and everything. When y'all drop streamers after every game. Yeah. In every game, it was the first home, or second home game of the season for the Warriors, and they dropped streamers like it was the finals. So I don't want to hear anything about the beam. Yeah, on that side. Again. Right, I agree. I agree. Um, it was kind of wild, but I guess like it's whatever the team is used to. Like if you do it every game, then do it every game. Like I hope that's an every game thing. The fact that we saw it, even though I think that would be extra, but like if it was just for the Kings, let's say, or like. They division opponents or something. It's every, every game, game, right? They did it in the playoffs yeah. too, which at that point, that's right. But that's when I think I had noticed it the first time I was like, okay, it's the playoffs. I get it. But I was thinking back to last year, the, the Kevin Herter game where they missed the foul call on Clay Thompson and they mm. dropped streamers that game too. So yeah, uh, no redecoration last night, but a lot of beams, we had a lot of beams in last week, a lot of beams, three straight wins for the Kings. Most recently a 132, 120 victory over the Cleveland Cavaliers. And we got that one to talk about. We got a win over the Oklahoma City Thunder in the in-season tournament game that we're going to get to. Um, and maybe we'll just go in backwards order. Like, let's just start with what's happened most recently, if that works for you. 132-120 win, again, over the Cavaliers. De'Aaron Fox's return. They've been playing Kings basketball. You know, Coach talks about how he wants them to be physical, fast, and together. And I feel like that's exactly what we've seen. I think that's what we were waiting for, right? I mean, the Kings looked so out of sorts without De'Aaron Fox. The offense wasn't really flowing. There was a lot of rushing sets down into the last couple of seconds of a shot clock. They just didn't look like themselves like last year. And it was almost like a seamless transition. De'Aaron comes back in. The offense looks great. Keegan Murray's knocking down shots. Kevin Herter is, is, has been red hot. We're going to talk about him in a little bit. Uh, Demonis Sabonis, I think, is, is, is able to do more things and open the floor up more. And uh, when De'Aaron Fox is available, it kind of – Freeze him up a little more too. It frees everybody up a little more when you have Darren Fox on the, on the court. So having him back, I mean, 36 minutes, 28 points, six assists. And it seemed like he wanted to come back sooner. And if it was a playoff yeah. situation or if it was a late game, a late season situation, we probably would have seen him before last night. But, uh, I think it was smart of the Kings to hold him out and kind of see what you have. And it was a rough five game stretch without him overall, two and three, but. Last night, you got a reminder of just how good this offense is when everybody's playing well and when De'Aaron Fox is on the court, most importantly. Fox just looked like himself, you know, looked totally normal. And himself is one of the best point guards in the league. Like, I I think he's going to be in all NBA contention again this year. There's a chance we're talking for a second team instead of just like maybe sneaking into third team like he did last year. The cutoff 65 games? 65 games. Okay. Yeah. He missed five. So on track. So yeah. With some wiggle room. Yeah. What? So, so he's at 75 max or 70, uh, seven. 77 right now, max. Yeah. With wiggle Quick room. math. Yeah. With wiggle room. Yes. So still room there. Um, and you know, shots have been going down recently. Like their offense has looked like itself. Right. I think that was one of the big concerns. Um, 
I don't even know if concerns the right word because like shots were going to go down. Well, I mean, just kind of, I mean, I pulled out these splits from earlier, earlier today, but and it's a small sample size. I mean, this is all that we have to kind of go off of here, but without De'Aaron Fox this season, the Kings averaged 102.6 points per game. Put, put De'Aaron Fox into the equation, 126.5 points per game. And that goes with the field goal. I mean, 48% with De'Aaron Fox, 42 without, 37% from three with De'Aaron Fox, 30 without. So we talk about that frees up the, the court, frees up everybody else on this Kings team. When De'Aaron Fox is on the floor, I think Chris Watkins actually is going to be making a stop by. He may right eventually. Chris Watkins, a little preview, he's going to be stopped by. But just looking at those numbers, I mean, the offensive rating too with De'Aaron Fox, 123.3. Offensive rating without De'Aaron Fox, 105.5. De'Aaron Fox frees up his teammates. And that kind of goes back to the struggles we saw from Kevin Herter and Keegan Murray. I mean, the shots yeah. weren't falling. And a lot of these looks were good looks, but just having a guy like De'Aaron Fox of that caliber to take the attention of opposing defenses away, even for a second longer, that benefits players like Kevin Herter and Keegan Murray, and they've been absolutely on fire right now. We'll pull up numbers on them, but they've been absolutely on fire. Yeah, two guys that were some of the best shooters in the league last year. You know you know it would happen eventually, but De'Aaron does just make life so much easier for them. It's the paint touches that I think is the biggest thing that De'Aaron provides. Like we saw Domas be more aggressive in these most recent games. I, th- I think the last three, the three straight that Sacramento have won, I feel like Domas has been really aggressive Really, after that, was it four attempt game in the second Houston matchup yeah. where it was like, gosh, can you really be doing this those without games, De'Aaron? The games are a wash. I mean, those games are honestly it's a wash. They're wild. Well, and now you look at it and it's like, okay, Houston might be okay. You know, like, are they Utah of last year? Are they the Kings of last year? Like, well, that's the thing. And I was talking to Jason Ross about it. It's you look at the beginning of the season and was the schedule crazy hard? I wouldn't say no as far as trying to schedule. The Kings probably weren't high on that list, but. We don't really know what Houston is yet. I mean, is is Houston this right. team we're seeing? I mean, it, Jason's point was Portland last year, I think, started off really well. Yeah. I think they're the number one seed. You're like New Orleans also. Yeah. yeah. And then they fall off. The bottom falls out. I, I think that we might see a little leveling out. I don't know if Houston's going to be. I mean, we don't know. Kings were a three right. seed in the West last year. But maybe they aren't a top three, top four seed. But point is, they've been spanking everybody. So, that kind of has to factor into the equation as well as if the Kings are playing other teams, do they come out on top, look better than they would have without De'Aaron Fox? We'll never know. Uh, but with De'Aaron Fox, they're a very good basketball team. They are. And still, I would guess one of the best offenses in the league when they have them out there and everybody's rolling, you know, the shots going down obviously is a huge part of that. Um, but defensively, do you feel like we've seen the progress that they've been asking for, for, I mean, really last year, it feels like it started almost in the postseason, but coming into this year, you know, we've talked about it how many times, like the word physicality. We've talked about how many times they say it. I feel like we've said it. So who knows how many times. a word in my life, which by the way, we, Chris, you can slide over here and join us, my friend. We do have Chris Watkins. We, we, we made sure here. we had room on the camera. So we're for going you. to be passing this to you. Chris is going to sit on the, uh, we love your the couch that we decided Chris was not the best for all of us to be sitting on. Chris Watkins. Um, uh, yeah, Chris, just coming off of Chris. Styles and Watkins, yep. ten to two. Figured yep. you haven't talked about this team very much. Today, no, not not really know? much at all. So, where do you feel like you've seen this team defensively? The Kings make progress these last couple games. Like they're talking about how they want to be better on that end. Do you yeah. see a blueprint for being notably better than last year? Um, yeah. As a team, I don't know if I've seen it yet, but definitely the the most encouraging sign of that this team is is working towards being. Uh, just not a turnstile defensively, I would say, is the fact that 
they're they're really trying to make Keegan Murray into this isolation defender uh, on the on the the point of attack for the ball uh, ball handlers, and I I couldn't help but watch yesterday's game and just think, is this Mike Brown trying to kind of get a Clay Thompson out of this team? You know, we we saw that's kind of how the the Warriors were able to survive defensively in the playoffs for a long time in their run was just kind of having Clay Thompson be the 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 main um, focal point of the defensive attack he would go on Kyrie Irving when they're playing the Cavs in the in the finals and stuff like that and uh, I don't think any many people would have said that those warrior teams were good defensively but the fact that they had a guy in Clay Thompson that you could just essentially throw on a team's playmaker and and say just take him out for 48 minutes um, I think that's a step in the right direction again I, I don't know if the the team in its entirety is necessarily uh you know, shown steps that they're moving in the right direction. But I think finding a guy that can disrupt the the point of attack is definitely a good place to start. Because if you have one great defender and then uh, a bunch of guys who can buy into a team system, I think, again, and we've talked about it in the past, like it's just about being average for this team. It's not about them uh, being the Detroit Pistons of the early 2000s. Don't be bad. Just don't, don't be, be bad. bad. Don't be actively bad. Just be good enough. And I think the offense, especially if it's shooting like it was last night, the sky's the limit. And just to give credit to Keegan, I'm going to read this tweet. And there is there is a there's a backhanded jab in it. It's from our friend Tim Maxwell. Yeah, sec, yeah. sec time baby draft. This is I did not read the bottom part, but I'm going to read it. The shot and the and then the response to, um, but credit to Keegan Murray who who did a good job on Stephen Curry a couple weeks ago, and then obviously last night with Donovan Mitchell. Keegan Murray last night defended Donovan Mitchell for 59 percent of his offensive possessions. Donovan Mitchell, while being defended by Keegan Murray, two of ten mm. from the field, mm. not bad. Zero fouls drawn, five points. So good job by by Keegan. But the end, uh, our buddy Tim he says <laughs> he turned Donovan into Davion. And the top response Oof. is, what did Davion do to deserve this? Might have blocked him. Might have blocked him. I don't him. think that means he deserves it for what it's worth. But, you know, He's by the way, <laughs> the no fouls on Donovan was a little triggering for me as somebody that may or may not have participated in. He didn't have any fouls? You know? Well, not no fouls, but his lack of free throw attempts is what I mean. What did he finish you know? last night? Last uh, night? Not many. Not many um, which not was... Enough. Yeah, not enough. Not, not enough. Uh, not enough. He did not go over, is all we're going to say. He not, did not get over. Not enough. Yeah. So, not enough. no, but I, I mean, I think Keegan's been great. You know, like coach talked about, we want to be able to put him on Steph, and, which we saw, and it worked okay. Like, I think this is all a process. I don't expect him to just be clamping people up right away, right? Um, but you're seeing him embrace it. Like, I thought yesterday was maybe the best defense we've seen from Keegan. Even actually like early in his rookie year last season, I think there was a game at home in that first four game losses where they put him on Paul George really early. Yeah. And it was like, okay, yeah, that was game four, here. wasn't yeah, it? Was Something some, like that. Yeah, it was yeah. a close one in those first he four. He did that really they lost. well too, I remember. Yeah, thinking. so there's been some, a little bit of potential here and there. Um, but I think we're seeing it more actualized. Coach talks about like I want to be able to put him on Steph and Donovan Mitchell, but then also put him on LeBron. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay. I, I mean, the Kings need a guy that can yeah. do that and still produce something offensively. Somebody um, brought back up on my timeline the video of uh, Luke Laux during uh, the California Classic talking about that Keegan practice where, where they said, this is the biggest leap we've seen from a guy since uh, we saw Kawhi Leonard make yeah. a similar leap in San Antonio. Do you guys feel like you've seen 
at least parts of that. I think, you know, even when, when that comment was made, I think everybody was like, whoa, hold on, take a second here. But have, do you see like kind of where maybe that scout was, was kind of getting, getting at, or, or do you think that's still a little bit of a, of a hyperbole? Do you feel like, or do you feel like Keegan has really made a massive leap? Of course, I would say if you look at the percentages, definitely the percentages don't seem to say that, but uh, the percentage might even say Keegan's in a sophomore slump. But I test wise, we know we've seen Keegan's doing so much more and so much so much more different things than he was doing last year that there's a reason for why the slump has happened. I, just in general, do you guys feel like Keegan has made as big of a jump as what I think we were all kind of promised and told? Maybe not quite as big of a jump, like honestly, I think offensively, but I think it's like all the other things, right? Like Keegan mentioned the other day that um, last year, if shots weren't going down, he was getting pulled. And this year he wants, because he couldn't do anything he couldn't impact the game in other ways. And this year he's rebounding the ball really well, right? 4.6 per game last year, 6.9 this year. Like offensively, the whole team has been rebounding great. Um, Keegan was solid last night with eight boards. Two of those came offensive and their second chance points, I think have been really big for this team. Um, I think his like passing has been better, you know, starting from a low point, but just like connective stuff. Um, offensively, I think like the creation is kind of what we were all looking for is that next jump. And I don't think we've seen that. But I do think we've seen progress on a lot of little things and getting a wing defender like that is just huge for this group, you know, but it is kind of funny, like to hear you say, like the importance of like having a point of attack defender, right? Um, because it is important, but the Kings do kind of have a guy that is elite at point of attack and he didn't play a single minute last night. Well, you know what I mean? <laughs> I get the logic. Um, where do we want to go with this? Do we, do we just want to talk let's about last with, night? Do we want to talk about the big picture of it all? Let's do we start wanna... with, let's start with Keon, I guess, because that's I think a, this yeah, has more to do with yeah. rewarding Keon sure. than, I don't like the word punishing, but I can't think of a different one. Mm-hmm. It has more to do with rewarding Keon than punishing Davion. Well, I, I mean, Mike said it best. I don't, I don't think we can look at it as punishment. I think as an athlete, when you were, I mean, anyone that was coming up and played sports knows that if you are demoted or go to the bench, you view it as a punishment. You view it as, I did something bad, so this is what I get. Yeah. So in a way, by definition, sure. Like, maybe that is what happens as far as the definition of being right. benched. Right. Because David Mitchell, as we can say, he's been benched. Uh, but Mike tries to put a Mike Brown spin on everything and say that, you know, it's all about opportunity and how Keon has looked good in, in, in the minutes we've seen from him. And I do think as far as where they are as NBA players from an offensive standpoint, I think Keon might be a step ahead Which of Davion. wild because Keegan has, or Keon has a lot of work to do too. Oh, like. for sure. But I was asking this question too, I think. It's just like at what point is Davion Mitchell not a project anymore? Like I just want to know if as far – maybe if I can ask you guys that question. Was he not – was it was – when does a player graduate from being a project to a – I don't want to say disappointment – but what are what they are. And I, I don't want to come out here and say Davion's been a huge disappointment, but I guess some might view it that way because he was a top 10 pick and that draft was not horrible. So, I mean, we just, the Kings just got killed by Shangun, no? I was a big Shangun guy, but I, a I lot want, of people were, yeah. I just want to know where you guys stand with this right now because first it was Kevin Hurd of us here and look, Kevin Herter now is, is playing very well. That's not, that's now moved on. Now it's kind of focuses on Davion. And 
he's a little different because he hasn't really had a niche. He hasn't really had like he's a good on ball defender. We know he's a good on ball defender. He's very very good, but he's unplayable late in games because they almost have to hide him on offense. So I just am wondering at what point is this no longer a project for a guy who's in his third year, 25? Do you think it's time for the Kings too, which they've already started doing that with putting Key on the lineup, but do you think this maybe is the writing on the wall scenario? I just want to know what your guys' thoughts are. Kind of. I I mean, Davion is for sure an NBA player. For sure an NBA player. I have no question. Like, I think he's back a point guard in this league for a long time because he has his superpower, as Mike likes to say, right, of that on-ball defense. I, I think that he's great in that aspect. I think this free-flowing offense, like how many times while De'Aaron was out or even, well, I guess he didn't play yesterday, but even when Keon moved in that starting lineup, Davion comes in and it's like, gosh, the offense just looks so sluggish right now. Like they're getting into their sets really slowly. Um, it's taking time. It almost looks like he's kind of just jogging through stuff. And so he might just not fit great in this offense, you know, like he has his skills and you would think on a team that is so talented offensively and needs help defensively that a guy that specializes in that would make sense, but they make their money on offense, even if they're trying to improve defensively. So if you're taking too big of a hit, it's almost like, I don't think the defensive improvement he provides outweighs maybe some of the offensive shortcomings that, you know, other players could do better. So I think that he has value in the league somewhere. I think that he could make more sense in a team that runs more pick and roll rather than all this freelance offense. Um, so like, but right now he, he hasn't looked good. I also don't think this is the end for if, what it's worth. Like he's going to play again over Cam at sure. some point. Let's say there was a time machine that could take him back to the grit and grind Grizzlies. Yeah. He would thrive on that team. Just want to throw it out there. Yeah, I think like what you guys are getting at is I think the the offense is the thing that just it's not working. It, it's not working. We know he he's what he provides defensively, and even then, I would argue it's pretty pretty limited defensively. Like I, I think my biggest problem with Davion has always been his height. I, yeah. I think that when you are under six feet tall, like Davion frankly is, you have to be exceptional. Like we saw Isaiah Thomas how great he had to be offensively to make sense in the NBA. And then the second he wasn't exceptional, he was out of the league. And I do think when you're under six foot, you have to talk about his superpower. You have to have that superpower and you have to be like Superman with that superpower. And I, I just don't think that defensively that can be your calling card when you're that small, because we saw it. I mean, picture perfect example. Can you play better defense than what Davion played on Clay Thompson for that game winner? I don't think so. He was in his grill. He just literally is too small. He's just literally too small. Yeah. And there's nothing you can do about that. There's no fixing that. That's not Davion's fault. He did everything you could have done to the letter of the law. It's just he wasn't blessed with height. And I think that's always going to be his downfall. I not it's a short kings forever. Um but forever. I, I just think that it, it it became really evident to me in the playoffs last year. Davion's value was through the roof in that playoff series for the first five games. Guarding Steph Curry, that's exactly the the if you were to draw up what is Davion Mitchell's ideal role, it's in a seven game playoff series, just hounding a guy like Steph Curry and making his life hell. Two things. First off, that only lasted five games before Mike Brown ultimately said what you're bringing defensively isn't enough. I'm going to go with Terrence Davis over you. Number two. If the Kings advance past the Warriors, Davion Mitchell's value 
immediately drops. If the Kings play the Lakers in the following series, I've been saying this since it happened, Davion Mitchell guarding Dennis Schroeder doesn't hit nearly the same as Davion Mitchell guarding Steph Curry. You just don't feel the impact as much, and his importance isn't as important because stopping Dennis Schroeder is not as imperative as stopping Steph Curry, and I think... That's just kind of been the – I think that's a microcosm for Davion's career, frankly, is I, I just don't think he's ever going to be big enough to warrant playing him heavy minutes. And frankly, his offense in every aspect isn't where it needs to be for a guy who's under six feet tall. He doesn't play make. He doesn't shoot. And he really isn't someone that you want to have the ball in his hands for you know 15 to 20 seconds in a possession. So – I, I just kind of think you, if you're the Sacramento Kings, I just think you need to look elsewhere. And if you feel like you really need a defensive guy out there, to me, Keon Ellis brings everything that Davion brings, especially if, if Davion's not knocking down a shot. Keon's not either. I would much rather get the extra four inches. And, uh, and I think both of those guys pretty much do the same exact thing. Uh, <laughs> I got a little thrown out there. Um, I, the the Golden State series is a great example because you know, like you said, he was doing a great job on stuff. Off by my computer, huh? the chat yeah. engine. I know sure, it, it's really bad. Sure, I'm not sure. sure my computer was having a situation that I have not experienced before. It was like hot, like really hot <laughs> yeah. to a touch, and like the fan was going crazy. So there might be something going on that's never happened before. Like it, it honestly was like mad, and I was like closing it. But if you're watching this on YouTube, I was like closing it, getting it away from me because it's like warm. <laughs> So I'm gonna have to look into that. But can I say real, real quick yeah, before we we get you know we go to the playoffs? But and I think you said this too, Brendan, that the Kings have an identity. And does Davion fit with the identity of the group in this core? Absolutely not. And when things are going, yeah, when things are going really well, like last night, oh my goodness, that was the most fun. I and mean, that's that's Sacramento Kings basketball, and that is just what we envision when we think about the Kings firing in all cylinders, just running their op- opponents out of the gym. Uh, knocking down threes, running it, running the pace, and Davion no nowhere to be seen. And I feel like that was the case more times than not last year. He did have a big shot in I think down the stretch in game mm-hmm. two, which probably his greatest moment as a king. I mean, yeah. he had a lot of good moments in that game, but uh, it's all about the identity of the team. And the Kings need more defensive guys, but. I don't think they need a lot of just defensive only guys, which yeah. is what Davion is. Yeah, I was thinking about the other day. I was more so thinking about, of course, the Tyrese bonus trade, but uh, it made me think just like I kind of forgot that Davion was brought in here for some like role that would, if I had to imagine was something completely different than what he is in right now. It didn't like, even make sense. When he, when he it didn't him. make sense when he drafted him, but thinking of how it would have fit now, it makes a whole lot more sense if Tyrese Halliburton is on this team because Tyrese is doing those playmaking things. And when De'Aaron wasn't playing these past couple games, the reason why I was initially thinking it is, oh yeah, Monty McNair knew that this is how this team would look when De'Aaron's not out there. That's why he drafted Tyrese Halliburton. But, uh, yeah, I, I just, I think it's interesting to think about would Dave, maybe Davion is, is still the last remnants of an old Monty thinking process where you know clearly he had this vision of I'm gonna take this third guard because he almost does the things that he he complements Tyrese and De'Aaron so well in something that they both struggle with it makes sense to play him with those guys but maybe he never thought oh this guy makes sense as the lone standing backup point guard himself if that makes sense yeah Uh, and you know I don't want to like just to make it clear I don't think it's necessarily even Davion's fault like he has his shortcomings but there's aspects of he just doesn't fit in this, you know, not unintentional. 
Um, Stop with the short slant. <laughs> I've had about enough out of you guys. All right. Like, it, it's not his fault that he doesn't necessarily fit in like a free flowing offense, you know, and, you know, there could be a question of maybe he gets to a pick and roll offense and he doesn't look great there either. But like, I, I think he could be better in that aspect. And like, who are the other short, who are the other six foot guards that are just defenders? Like, Fred Van Fleet's a great defender, but Guy's lethal. he's a great shooter. Like, I don't know who else we'd be talking about because um, if you're just trying to make your money on the defensive end, you need to be a little taller to have some versatility. Yeah, like Tony Allen was like probably what, six, six five? four ish. Yeah, like Marcus um, Smart sort of size. You Marcus know, Smart, and that's the comp. That's always been the Davion comp is yeah. Marcus Smart. And, I and feel it just, like, but it can't be, can't be. Right? It just doesn't fit. Like it yeah. doesn't fit. Like if, if the Kings are gonna read, the Kings are not a perfect product by any means, but I feel like in order to get where they want to be, there's gonna have to be some painful decisions that are gonna have to be made, yeah. and. I think people might be surprised to see a year or two years from now some faces that are beloved right now by this commu- Kings community. They might not be here. And Davion right now is kind of at the top of that list because of what he doesn't bring. There's a lot that he can bring on the defensive end, which, yeah, the Kings need it, but it's all part of the identity and what makes this team really go. And as we saw without De'Aaron Fox, this is a completely different team. The 20-plus 20, 20 point-per-game difference. I mean, small sample size, sure, five games, but – it's more than that. We've known for a couple of years now that De'Aaron Fox is is the head of a snake. And uh, while you can't expect Davion Mitchell to replicate that to a T, it just it, it hasn't even been feasible in any way. And I do think there's going to be a point where, like, Keon slips up offensively. You know, like, he's looked fine at the one. And because it's not like traditional point guard work necessarily, right, when he's playing next to Sabonis especially. Um but he's going to have nights where he struggles and you're going to go back to Davion. Like, I don't think that this is just, you're never going to see Davion again. Like it's going to be up and down. Um, Keon still has his flaws. He's working through um, quick question for Frankie here. How many blocks on the year? Do you think Davion Mitchell has four, two, but I swear there's more. Can you think of any other blocks well, from he, Davion? He had some uh, strips down the stretch of the OKC game. I think was it OKC or no, was it, Portland. Who who is who Portland. is who is he blocked this year? Who is he blocked this year? Do you have you know who he's blocked? Well, I I was just I don't know. I was just has he, has he blocked someone I like a lot? Huh? Has he blocked someone I like? I don't a know. Lot? Like, how do you feel about yourself? Has he blocked me? Oh my goodness! <laughs> I don't know. What I, I don't know what I did. Like, I don't. That's the first like professional athlete I've ever seen. Yeah, I'm, I as far as other members of King's social media. Sorry, not to out you. No, it's it's, not to out you. I mean, I guess you can't really say you made it or not made it, but like you're a part of true a media strike. I I don't even handful. It's not just you. How many guys? I mean, I just can't believe anyone set it up like that. I can't. I. I'm surprised it took so long. I'll wear it after my computer is taking off down the runway. (laughs) It's fair that I get made fun of because I am blocked. Yeah, by by off night. Off night has has blocked me. Yeah. I guess so. Um, so I'm one of those two blocks. <laughs> you're one of the, you're I one walked of right into two. it. I walked right into that. It's me and King's Muse. You would, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And there might be a couple others. Uh, just, just messing with you. Yeah. Um, or, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> so I got the, uh, <laughs> don't worry. I got the offensive, defensive ratings and net ratings with the different point guards and the other four starters. Okay. Oh, I've looked at this. Best offensive rating. Let's take a guess between the three point guards, meaning De'Aaron Fox, Keegan Murray, or um, De'Aaron Fox, Davion Mitchell, Keanu. Best offense rating. It's the one with De'Aaron it's Fox. It's De'Aaron Fox. <laughs> I, I'm I'm gonna assume. Yeah, 
Good guess. For, for, assume it's, it's Keon Ellis. It is De'Aaron Fox, 128, 126.8 offensive rating. Second? It's Keon Ellis. Keon Ellis, yeah. 108.5. Third, yeah, let's talk about that net rating for this one. Davion Mitchell, 92.0. We'll get yeah. to net rating, right? So that's offensive rating, 126. 92.0, you said? 92. By the way, that's bro. terrible. That's per 100 possessions. It's horrible. It's really, you really bad. can't even get to 100 points. I think the 100. Kings were 118 Math. as a team last year. You know, So, again, 126.8 with Fox, 108.5 with Keon, 92 with Davion. Defensive rating. <laughs> Best defensive rating. Care to take a guess? Uh, it's Keon. It is Keon. You clearly did just look at these did, numbers, I like you said. 98.6. Um, second place, Davion, 108.7. Third place, right behind him, De'Aaron's lineup, 109.5. Net ratings. Yeah, let's do this. These are the wild ones. This is insane. Best net rating, De'Aaron Fox, 17.4 in the 71 minutes he's played. He, yeah. It's also the most minutes, yes. even though De'Aaron has not played in five games. 17.4 with De'Aaron as the point guard with the four other starters. Second place, Keon Ellis. Yep. Still 35 positive. total minutes. Yep. Plus 9.8 net rating. Mm-hmm. Davion. <clears throat> 61 minutes. Mm-hmm. Do you know do you know this number, Frank? Do you know how bad this number is? I don't know. I'm afraid to hear it. Minus 16. Yeah, I was like, that's what it was when I checked last time. Again, De'Aaron plus 17.4 with the other four other starters, right? Yeah. Keon, four other starters, plus 9.8 net rating. Davion with the four other starters, minus 16.7. So we see this, the the trend here. Oof. Oof. Like, that's the thing. It's like you can't expect someone to come in and be De'Aaron Fox, but there are teams out there, teams that compete for championships, even in the playoff race, even not in the playoff race, that have serviceable backup options to where the drop-off isn't that significant from your starters. The Kings cannot survive that. And as we see already with Keon Ellis, just a simple change in play style, which, yes, maybe Davion Mitchell is a better defender than than Keon Ellis. I'd say he probably is. I'd say he definitely is. Wouldn't you agree? But that's not really what the Kings need as far as to, like, they need to sustain their offense. That's what makes them great. Yeah. Until they can find a rhythm on defense, that's that's what is what it is. But that drop-off, that significance Wild. is crazy. That's you can't have that. You just can't. And and it could get better because like shooters were not hitting shots. Honestly, when De'Aaron wasn't out there, and I think that's like sure. there was just an aspect of some shots did not go down. I think right. those numbers are a little dramatic, but like you know, it, it backs the eye test. Those are also their three most played five man lineups, yeah. by the way, because they love rolling with their starters. Yeah. Um, like to me, I mean, yeah, you just put it there. To me, that's one of those where you know you can't look at just numbers, but to me, that's one where you use the numbers to back up the eye test and that's been really clear. And to also piggyback off of something you said earlier, like the Kings are trying to be the team, be the identity that they were last year, but just a little bit more defensive minded. Those numbers with Davion, that's a completely different team. Like you said, they were at a 118 offensive rating last year to be at 92 and then have your defense be the, like you're talking about playing a whole, like almost a counter opposite t- style yeah. of play with the Keon Ellis numbers. You can at least say, okay, it looks to me like the offense doesn't have any major drop off and you still are improving defensively or you're at least at the very least you're you're the very same and so there's not much drop off between Keon uh in that lineup and De'Aaron and obviously Keon and De'Aaron do completely different things and affect the game in completely different ways but to me those numbers say 
if you put Keon in there, at the very least, the offense doesn't look different and you still maintain the identity of the team that you are trying to be in the long run. Yeah, it, it kind of has looked like Keon's looked good in that offense and to that point of like the the shooting maybe playing an aspect here. Effective field goal percentage in the Davion lineup is 45.5. Obviously, Davion's part of this, right? But I think there is an aspect of shots not going down. Um, 53.1 effective field goal percentage in the Keon lineups and then 60.4, no surprise, best with the De'Aaron lineups. My next question, you go into this road trip. You got a six-game road trip coming up, right? Two um, weeks, man. Two weeks. L.A., San Antonio, Dallas, New Orleans, New Orleans, Minnesota. You go into this L.A. game on Wednesday. Who's your backup point guard? It's Keon Ellis. I think it's it's Keon Ellis until further notice. It's got to be, right? Until I, Keon loses the job. Until we see Keon just get absolutely burnt or like you're, you're – even though he's a sophomore, you're welcome to the NBA, just kind of schooling. I don't know. We have yet to see that from him. He he plays pretty calm, pretty collected. Uh, he's a little passive on offense sometimes. Even the shot's not fantastic right now. But he is someone who said he takes a lot of pride in his offense. We saw it in Summer League. Um, we just need to make sure that – I mean, the Kings need to make sure. Not we. That the <laughs> – way now. Can I do something about the we thing? Yes. Can I just say – so I, I was watching PTI yesterday. Michael Wilbon, who's elder statesman in the in the sports journalism world. You're a fan. I mean, we, I we, love we've, we've done, we, we did, did a PTI, PTI special. Time. I completely we'll forgot about year, that. Um, he was talking about Team USA basketball, said we. And I was like, you know what? That's interesting. Exactly. He said we. He's somebody who says we, and we're talking about Team USA basketball. Why can you say we with Team USA? I guess you could say, oh, you know, we're, we're part we of the, the we're part of, it's a nationalist pride kind of thing. Why can't you say that with your hometown team? It's civic pride. It's literally the same exact thought process as saying we for Team USA. I agree. But no, it's agree. just, it's on a smaller scale. And just because it's on a smaller scale, that means you can't have as much civic pride in a place that actually like affects my day to day life. Like I'm a lot more involved in, concerned about what happens in sacramento than in u.s as a total like it's just ridiculous no i just will never understand i and uh, i concede my time i'm i'm a we guy i've said we forever and the way i've always viewed it is and again this is different because we are not fans even though we grew up fans chris and i specifically i guess grew up sacramento kings fan let's go celtics this guy (laughs) is is you know rocking with the what's the mascot called lucky the leprechaun oh geez yeah well, how is this news? I don't know. His name's Lucky. Well, okay. Also, well, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Like, a, like a dog? Like, oh, well, like, like a dog. Like Lucky? Yeah. Like people, I, I know like five dogs named Lucky. Like the Charms. Oh, Lucky Charms. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. yeah the cereal. But Same guy. Have you been a wee guy? I've been a wee guy. And only since we've gotten to the media scene, I've, you know, some people don't like it when you say we. And I catch myself a lot. But then I think about... You know, I put so much time in, not just with the Kings, but with the Yankees, with other teams I like and I enjoy, specifically those teams. Really, not The Bills, teams. right? I don't want to talk about the Bills right now. <laughs> but I put too much time into the teams that I follow and I enjoy and money, whether it be merchandise, tickets. And, yes. And, and, yes, uh, <laughs> for my friend. And that's the thing with sports. Sports are really, I mean, team. you need fans. The fans are what generate everything with sports. Yeah. That they generate literally everything. So I think it's very valid and fair to say we, but some people don't think so. So I, I agree with you. 
personally, I'm going to stay out of the Wii conversation. Uh, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to hold off on that one. Oh. I will admit. Um, yeah, not gonna, yeah, yeah. I, I know, well, wanna, that, that says enough. Yeah, you know, I'm gonna hold off. That's I, I've like, it was definitely a process to condition myself out of it, and it's still for sure a work in But progress. I think we've all, but I, I noticed the same thing with Chris though. Like, I was listening, I, Zach Lowe is probably my favorite podcast, and he was like saying we over and over talking about Team USA, and it catches my eye, or catches my ear, you know? I think that everyone has a learning process and learning curve to go through when you become a member of the media or you become someone that's on the air, has a show. Or your writers, like same you thing, have, but you know, yeah, <laughs> no, like, well, you're on the air for four hours every day. That's what I'm saying. It's more, like, more, it's more magnified. Like, we have to, like, we had to relearn how to do things. Like, we still yeah, are. Yeah. So, like, it's not always perfect, and people do things differently. Um, like Matt George is, is he's, he's getting articles written about him because that guy's passionate. <laughs> that was, yeah, yeah. So, shout I, out Matt, by the way. Can I, can I mention that tomorrow yes. he has a live viewing party? Uh, Chris says no. Can, true, actually. You can mention it. Uh, it Made a friend. The uh, yeah, tomorrow he has a viewing party Wednesday. Yes, yes. for the Lakers Kings game at do we know Sackyard Sackyard, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna be there. I think Frank is gonna try. Chris try. will be there. Uh, Frank is a fake friend, but it's all good. Uh, I have to write about the game. I'll I'll I'll, I'll make it work. It's gonna oh it's gonna rain tomorrow. Oh, it's supposed to rain tomorrow. That would be awesome. Yeah. Matt is not for Matt's for, that would be awesome. <laughs> not clip not, that. Clip that. Not to Shout ruin that. Matt's they, they have a roof. They have a they have, it's a facility. They have a roof. Matt will be fine. Bring Frankie, your swimwear. Frankie, Frankie, save me. Where do we go next? Bring a floaty. Where do we um, go? I think I, I think No. Oh, by the way, off. we're gonna be there, so people should go to the thing tomorrow, is what I mean. Six game road Wednesday. trip. Six game road trip. <laughs> Lay out the teams one more time for us, please, Brendan. It's a silly, goofy. The, All right. The, real quick, the vibes have been very good at practice and around the team lately, and we're all kind of in a silly, goofy mood today. That's kind of what's going on. I guess, actually, before we get to road trip, because this will involve the road trip, in-season tournament. Do you guys, did you feel like there was anything extra to the in-season tournament? Do you care about the in-season tournament at all? I'm trying to care. Um, I don't personally feel like... There's a lot of steam behind it. I, like, I don't think teams are necessarily playing differently. I know, uh, the first day of the in-season tournament, there was something like a margin of victory of six points between all the games that night. So I don't believe that that's directly correlated to the fact that it's the in-season tournament, but I think in general, and it's been my stance, I, I don't see what the negative is. Like, it's, there's, they were going to play these games anyway. It's just, we're, we're adding a label to it and we're, we're dressing it up and making it fancy. I don't really care. You know, I, it definitely doesn't upset me, but does it necessarily get me going? Not yet. I think as this thing kind of closes, uh, the group stage kind of closes and we understand, oh, if the Kings win this game and they lose that game, we'll get more interest and we'll have a better understanding of it. But I don't think we're really going to truly care as a, as a collective until probably they get to Vegas. I think at that point it'll feel like a real event. And that's where I think I kind of stand too. If they would have, if the Kings would have lost that first game, it would have decreased my, my percentage of care to like ten yeah. percent, but the fact they won and if they were to beat San Antonio Friday, that means they're kind of like are inching closer that wild card top spot territory. I think it'll be more exciting. I think that for the teams that are in it, they'll be really into it and excited, and the teams that aren't not going to care at all. I think that's kind of where it is. But I've tried to talk myself into it. I just really wish the courts were not so ugly, and that's what we keep talking about. But it's pretty wild. If there's a way to just make that not a talking point, and it's not like a 
it's just it, it's like a sticking point. It's, yeah. It's really Even Domas bad. yesterday was like, did you guys see New Orleans in season court? It's bad. Yeah. It's bad. So if you can just take that out of it and just put the trophy at center court, that's enough. Yeah. Did you guys hear, sorry, did you hear what uh, Jason Ross told me actually after the game on Friday? Do you know what they're calling the, uh, you know how every team has the uh, strip down the middle? You know they have a name for it? It's a beam. Runway to Vegas, boy. Every single team, that strip down center court, they're calling it the runway to Vegas. It's Money. a beam. It's just so we know. It's, it's literally, it's a beam. You know, just saying. You were tracking the uh, point differential, right? Because that matters in this. And yes. I think people, it's easy to overlook that. Like Kevin uh, shot that at the end. Did he actually shoot it? it watching the video of it is hilarious. Because like, they're, they're going to dribble the ball out. Even Sabonis is kind of just walking for a minute. And he just starts going, oh, point at the basket. Shoot it. Shoot it. And they're, Kevin's just like, okay, let's it fly. Uh, and think- if that would have went in, it would have been his career high. So yeah. after Sean Cunningham was like, were you going for your career high? He's like, no, no, no. It's the point differential. But that also would have given them first place because the Kings right now are tied, sole possession in first place. They're tied with Minnesota. Because Minnesota, their point differential right now is seven. Kings are at seven. Yeah. So tonight, Golden State, Minnesota, no Stephen Curry. Uh, someone's going to be falling behind the Kings because the Golden State's also one know. So Someone is. And OKC knocked down to 0-2. You're pretty much out of it at that point. Did they play tonight? Um, I do not know a whole lot of teams. They do, play, but they, so but they probably play, they play. Oh, they play. They play uh, the Spurs. It, that Chet, has to be. That's the tonight. only other. Uh, yeah, the Kings are the only team in their group. What is it? West Group C, I think yeah. it is. Uh, that are not playing so tonight. A San Antonio win makes Friday very interesting. Yeah, and that's yeah exactly where we're going. So the road trip, as you asked, um, Wednesday at LA, one day off before Friday in San Antonio. Again, a day off before you go to Dallas. And second night of a back-to-back after that Sunday in Dallas, you go Monday in New Orleans, one day off to stay in New Orleans. Probably cool for De'Aaron. Um, and before you play New Orleans again on Wednesday, and then one day off, and you're in Minnesota. So one day in between all of these six games, except for uh, Dallas into New Orleans, is a back-to-back. But, you know, it's a it's a tough upcoming stretch. It's all Western Conference teams, by the way. The Kings have played one. only one Eastern Conference team. One. It's kind of wild. When do they play the, an Eastern Conference team again? Next one again. Gosh, okay, so they come back after the six, right? Golden State, L.A., Denver, Brooklyn. And then you LA got... Clippers? Uh, yes. Yes. Golden State, Clippers, Denver, and then Brooklyn. Okay. So yeah. You, you assume Ben Simmons? Well, maybe not. He has a, a, a back nerve issue, so I, that's, he's on my fantasy team, too. Mm. And you're reserved. Probably been playing for a while, but I, I believed in him. So in these six games, let's save record for the end. Like, give me two things that you're watching for. Um, I'm watching for Trey Lyles because we were at mm. practice today and we didn't really get an update. But he's alive. That, he's alive. He's alive. And he's doing the same things we saw kind of a week ago. And I know that we keep saying the same quote, which we'll say again verbatim. Calves are tricky. I think we've all said that on all of our shows, spots, whatever you want to call it, articles. We've all said the, the phrase, calves are tricky. Because they connect to the Achilles. They connect to the Achilles. Blah, blah, blah. Doctors. Uh, but he was getting after it today. We were, we were talking to Mike, and well, Mike was you know talking to us, rather. Uh, you could kind of hear Trey just getting after it. Like He was really winded after, covered in sweat. Same thing we saw last time, doing a workout. Um I don't believe we, we got clear down he's traveling. I would guess he will be, but I was just talking to Deuce about how 
uh, they said they were not sure They're if not Trey sure. was traveling. But it seems like the way they're ramping him up, I would imagine he's in play. It's a two-week road trip. And yeah. having him out for another two weeks is is pretty extreme. For a guy that was literally looked like he was pushing it hard today. But yeah. I think if they could get him back in the middle of this road trip or kind of near the back end of it, um, especially with Alex Len, who I think we all can expect. We haven't gotten the official word in him yet, but he probably will be out for at least a little bit. Bringing Trey Lyles back and having him play small ball five would would be a very nice addition for this team because I know the McGee minutes aren't always great. Uh, they're JaVale McGee minutes. I mean, no comment. They're they're fun. They're fun and then they're not fun. They're fun and then they're not. So having Trey Lyles back would be huge. So I'm watching for that. And then one other thing I've watched for is Keegan Murray, who I think the past two games uh, would have maybe been his best two games last year individually. I mean, just kind of looking at, I have the numbers here somewhere, but. Um, last night, what do you go for? 24 and, and eight. Yes, we got 25, eight and an assist in there as well. Last two games on only, nine of 13. Yeah. Only two games. So this is like a very, 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 very small sample size, but 24 and a half points, nine and a half rebounds, 56% from the field, 44 from three. If he can be that guy, that go to second, third option, which is looking more like a second option right now, uh, that would do them a lot of numbers. So I, I'm looking at those guys. Can Trey come back? Can Keegan keep going? Um, what about you? And then we'll go to Chris. Yeah, I'm interested to see that. Well, just on the Alex stuff, um, it's his right ankle. Somebody rolled over on top of it. It didn't sound great. Um, I don't know exactly what that means. You know, it wouldn't surprise me if it's like a similar timeline to what we just had with De'Aaron. You know, five games or so. Um, yeah, something along those lines that two weeks. So um, we'll see on that one. I'm interested, I, like, I'll go with De'Aaron and specifically his three ball. Like he got up six in last night's game, knocked down two of them. I feel like he's taken a lot, you know, in those first three games that he played, he was averaging eight, knocking down 37 and a half percent. He's shooting those threes, man. Um, so I'm interested to see how he looks because, you know, coach is saying at practice, I think he's an MVP caliber player that he could get there. It's about being consistent and it's like, okay, let's see the jump because I think there's multiple ways that the Kings eventually get themselves a title contender. And obviously I'm like looking, I'm getting a little ahead of myself here because it'll be a process, right? But it's either you go get another star that is like Domas caliber, right? And you have a three-headed snake or you somehow get a top 10 player. And the only way that's possible is De'Aaron taking a jump, you know, right? Like I'm not betting on that in Domas. Like De'Aaron seems like the one that could potentially make that jump. And I feel like we've seen him be really good defensively and pulling a lot of threes. So if those two things take a big jump, I think we're talking about a whole different De'Aaron Fox that's like battling for first team all NBA, you know, and puts the Kings in a different conversation in my mind. Um, and then outside of that, like, I do wish Len was playing more. Um, yeah, let's just go with... I was going to... I'll leave HB for Chris. Like, what, what do you got? What if do you you're got? watching, you better keep watching because... He hasn't been there. Um, the thing I'm looking for really is, uh, is, is making a statement. Like when, when the, these games right now, the Kings last year, they started off the season a little slow. I think it was like three and three and six mm-hmm. and then went on the seven game win streak, right? Um, this is kind of a similar opportunity where they're sitting at five and four. They've kind of sputtered out the gate. They've definitely found the, the better side of, of, uh, of their record. But, you know, it feels like this is a great opportunity to, to really prove 
uh, who you are against, you know, some, it's not bad opponents, but I would say most of these opponents are, are really beatable. The Lakers are a team they've already faced and taken down. Who knows if LeBron's playing in that game? You got the Spurs. The, that's about as easy as it's going to get in the Western Conference, um, regardless of, you know, where they end up finishing. That's still a tough team. Uh, with Wemby, of course, and that's going to be an interesting matchup. But Dallas, Dallas is the, right now the second best team in the Western Conference by by uh, standings. But you look at the teams they've played; they really haven't had that big of a test, with the exception of Denver, and and they didn't beat Denver. So I think um, I think that's a really good opportunity. Just that little stretch, and and then you have the two Pelicans games and the in the Timberwolves game as well. We're going to know, or at least have a much better idea of who this team really is and where they're at when it comes to the competition level uh, by the end of this road trip. And and to me, that's that's more what I'm looking for. Most what I'm looking for is just who really are these guys? Because they've they've been two completely different yep. teams with and with, without De'Aaron Fox in their wins and in their losses. They've looked like completely different teams. So just getting a, a more well-rounded picture of who this team actually is is uh, what I'm most looking forward to for sure. And they're trending upwards, but you know it's not Pretty always straight, linear. Yeah. Linear, obviously, in the NBA. Um, you got a good point, man. Like, there's a lot of Western Conference teams in here of kind of different calibers. Like, like you mentioned, Dallas playing well, albeit their strength of schedule. Minnesota's playing amazing. What they are the odds Denver. that the Kings beat New Orleans twice? I would say almost none, right? I feel like New Orleans is one of those teams that's just always just an. They killed them last year in one game. game. One game, yeah, one game. New Orleans killed them, and I think the Kings handled them pretty easily in one of them as I, well. Not that it matters because players being out against the Kings really just doesn't. magnifies just a, that, that they might great? lose even Deer more. Fox is out and the Kings just become the worst team in the NBA, but everyone else can miss their star and just they're, absolutely they're obliterate the Kings. Uh, CJ McCollum, I believe, which is scary for CJ McCollum, who hit a, a collapsed lung for yeah. the second time in his <laughs> second time. Um, no timetable for a return was given. That was a week ago. I would imagine he probably won't be available, but. They're, they're without a lot of guys. Alvarado, Trey Murphy. Yeah. They're without a lot of guys. Zion is, uh, what did he say? He's process, not processing. He's, I did not see. Cal- he, he's like taking things in. He, oh yeah, about his, uh, he, he's working on buying in. Working on working buying in. Buying. Can you imagine if De'Aaron Fox sat down and told us, just trying to, trying to figure out how to buy in, working on buying into this? That's like one of those here. things that like, we almost would all look at the other media members and be like, are we putting this out there or because oh, this bad. is not yeah. going to go well. Yeah, this is not That's good. crazy. I didn't see that. Yeah. He, he, like, he literally is like, he's like really in his thoughts. Like it's a, it's on there. It's on the, the Twitter mm. X fear. I'm never calling it X. I'm sorry. No. I'm, and you should never, call never call X. your ex. Uncle never Elon. call your ex. Um, <laughs> Let's shut this down. Six games. Mm. What? Would what is the least amount of wins that you'd be like? All right, that's a fine trip. I feel like where the Kings are as a they're no longer the up and coming fun story. They they need to, and I'm not I'm trying I hate to say need or must, but they need to be 500 on this trip. Like two and four is a tough road trip. That's a that's a bad trip. Yeah, 500 is is livable, but they if they're a playoff team or trying to stay in it in a tough West, you know. These are the kind of things that'll get you. Like you, you, you can't go two and four or, or lose four or five, whether you know however the games come. But um, tough games for sure. And a two game, a two week road trip is brutal. But in my mind, the floor is three and three. And then what's your prediction? Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go four and two. 
Okay. He's playing some good basketball with Aaron Fox. They look really good. They look good before he went down with the injury. They look completely horrible without him. Um, it sounds like he came out of today's practice and had last night's game fine. Mike mm-hmm. said he's completely fine. So he did say, you know, there's always going to be some lingering pain for a couple months. That's how this works. And yeah, De'Aaron said that last like, night. Okay. Right? Yeah, yeah. And that's the guy who he had an ankle injury before. I think he 2019, knows. Twenty nineteen, yeah. He knows how these things work and um for sure. But I think that the athlete that he is and how he takes care of himself, he's gonna be fine. But uh if De'Aaron Fox is available for all six, I'm I'm gonna looking at a four and two road trip. I think it should be the same. Maybe it's lame, but I just like agree with everything you just said. Yep. I think three and three. Yeah. And, and like, yeah, I don't know. Kevin was talking about how like the second half of the road trip is what's tough, right? The first yeah. half you feel fine. Um, but then the second you're like, gosh, I just want to get home. And it's like, you could maybe drag your feet a little bit and that's where it could maybe get tough, you know? So, I mean, I agree with you. I think it should be at least three and three. You really look at San Antonio, the two New Orleans games. And it's like, okay, you drop one of those then pick up one of the others. Um, and it should be at least that. And I, I would guess four and two, like the team is rolling right now. Um, I am kind of interested, like, you know, Trey Lyles was really good against Rudy Gobert. Could mm. we see Sasha at the five? Mm. Maybe just random hypothetical. Yeah, at that point, but... hopefully Trey's playing. Right. By the time they're playing Minnesota. Last question. Were you any prediction? No, I mean, I, I pretty much literally agree with everything you said. Yeah. Do two mics. Um, that's okay. All right. All right. Whoa. No. All right. Uh, what are your predictions for last thing? Then we got, we got to go before I keep getting just absolutely yeah, just destroyed here by, uh, by getting blocked by people and my computer's going to explode. <laughs> Take off. I don't know what's going on. Um, what is your prediction for how Sabonis perform, how will he perform against Wemby? Because I think a lot of people have the idea that Sabonis, who's one of the stronger guys in the NBA is going to completely, you know, just kind of bully him down on low. Do you view it the same way, or do you think that it's going to be, I don't know, like a rude awakening, I guess, for the Kings defense? I think that offensively he's going to do fine. I just don't know how he's necessarily defending him. You know, I actually think it's pretty similar to Chad Holmgren. Like, That's what I was I, I think both guys can't guard each other, you know, is really what it comes down to. And, like, I'd probably bet on the Kings in an offensive shootout. Yeah, I mean, I definitely would probably lean towards Sabonis. It'll be interesting how much, or or just what both sides of that that matchup end up being. Like, you know, Wemby's played a good amount of four, and sometimes they like to throw Zach Collins out there with him to kind of have a, an actual big body to throw around there. So it'll be interesting how much Wemby actually lines up on Sabonis because, yeah, I, I agree with Brendan. I definitely think if I had to picture it, it'd probably look a lot like what it looked like with Sabonis against Chet, where his physicality is just too much. But on the other end, I I cannot wait to see what the Kings try and throw out on Wemby. Like, I, I don't know. Is it JaVale? Yeah. Is it is it Sabonis? JaVale might be the original Wemby. Do they almost like, I mean, if Trey is playing at that point, like, do they, do they try and, Pull you know, Trey's a bigger, yeah. stronger guy who can also rebound and, and play down there, like I wonder if maybe that's somebody that yeah, Kessler. Like, do you just get weird? Exactly. Like, do do you try and throw them off? Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I mean, it's it's obviously there hasn't really been anybody like that. And in I the think NBA it's, previously, it's a little bit of everybody, right? Like, because San Antonio's spacing around him isn't great. They have some guys. Um, buckets. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm a big Vassell guy. We might all have Vassell on we our fantasy Vassell team. Fantasy, um, I think. Yeah, which he's been he's been really good. He's been killing it. So, but. Yeah. I'm uh, also a, Chris loves the Lopez brothers. I'm a Jones guy. I'm a Jones brother guy. 
Same. Tyus and oh, Trey. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I would love to have Tyus or Trey Jones. Like, Me imagine too. having one of those guys as a backup point guard. The, the fact that they're starting Sohan over Trey Jones, like, I get it, but, like, Running that's point. just so crazy. It's so crazy. It is crazy. Last question. Kings are 17th in defensive rating. Ooh, boy. Really? 17th. I think they, yeah. I think they jumped over the streak and winning streak, like, from 25th awesome. to 17th. Will they end the season within two of that, plus or higher or lower? How so about how, 15 to 19? Will they end in there? We'll say 15 how, to 20. How about where are they when they come back from the end of the road trip? Like sure. six games? That's, that's better. That's better, yeah. They're 17th right now? 17th. Will they stay in the 15 to 20 range? I feel like they come home at 19th. I think they drop a little bit. Okay. They have some tough matchups coming up as far as, you know, you got Luka, Kyrie, Minnesota is going to be tough. Anthony Edwards scares the hell out of me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you still LeBron and AD. You still have LeBron and AD, which I think they're both active or both healthy. Um, well, I don't know if AD's really healthy, but he's he's going to for his standards. He's going to play basketball tomorrow yeah, night. Yeah. Um, I feel like they're going to drop a little bit, but yeah, two weeks is a long time, so you never know. I think they're going to stay around here for most of the season. Um, I'll say after the road trip, I think they'll be within fifteen to twenty. I think the physicality is real, like. It really looked like they frustrated OKC and Cleveland. Like those teams looked agitated with the officials mm-hmm. because honestly, the Kings are getting away with calls. There's an aspect of like you cannot call every single foul, you know, except if I'm Chris Duarte. So like, yeah, it looks like I believe in. I think there's actual progress here defensively. That's yeah. something sustainable. Domas has been good with his verticalities. Malik took a charge. It got overturned, yeah. but he took a charge. Uh, coach joked about it today, like, I guess because we looked at the numbers and Malik took one last year. Kevin took none, right? Uh, coach said that actually the one Malik took last year was because he fell. He tripped and then got up and just happened to be in the spot where he got ran over. <laughs> and that's the reason he took a charge last year. So this one, he like rotated well. Yeah. Like it was a good rotation. Maybe he was a little later. They called it a no call. It was super weird. Um, but like. I, I think we're seeing buy-in. You're seeing Keegan and Kevin rebound. You know, I, I think that you're seeing De'Aaron be better defensively, Sabonis, and like the Keegan progress that we talked about for most of the beginning of this pod. Like, I, I think this defensive progress is real. Yeah, I mean, I'm just I'm looking at the the points per game just solely of of the opponents they have coming up, just to see the the kind of offensive firepower that they face on this road trip. And frankly. It's not that impressive with the exception of Dallas. Dallas is averaging the second most points per game of any team besides uh, Indiana in the league at 124 point, uh, 124.1 points per game. That's exceptional. That's that's really the big matchup that the Kings are going to have to worry about defensively. But there's a real opportunity to drop that, that defensive rating even lower. I'm looking at the Lakers. They're at 111 points per game. I'm looking at the Timberwolves at 112. Spurs are at 113. New Orleans is at 109. So th- those are... Those are five of six opponents that really are, I would say, below average when it comes to offensive production. So I, I think we they, we've seen them take strides as a defensive unit, and I think as long as they're they're keeping teams to their averages and not necessarily getting in these foot races like they were last year, I kind of believe that the defense will be around average. I think right now the bigger question is will the offense return to what it was last year because I think the the defense is pretty much taking taking care of itself to this point. Can they be a version of what they were last night? I think is the bigger thing offensively. Yeah, I mean you you laid it out well like four of their six games are coming against bottom six offensive ratings. Wow. 
you know, uh, New Orleans 28th, San Antonio 26th, LA 25th. Um, that Minnesota one, to your point of like, we'll see what the offense looks like more so than the defense. Minnesota is easily the best defense in the league. Obviously, has a lot to do with Rudy Gobert. They have a 102 defensive rating. Second place, 105.8 Orlando. Um, Minnesota has been getting it done on the defensive end. Um, Scary. But like, you know, the in my mind, the offense is going to look closer to what it did last night than some of those like Houston games and things like that. And obviously, De'Aaron's a part of that. But like the fact that, you know, I feel like we can comfortably sit here and be like, actually, I think the defense is going to be okay. Is is the offense going to be? I think that's huge progress. I agree. I agree. No, I'm 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 looking at the big guys though, like Anthony Edwards. I'm looking at Luca. Yeah. Can I mean is is King going to guard those guys in in those one on one matchups? Maybe. Uh, done a good job so far, but uh, tomorrow night, Lakers, baby. Yeah. Lakers first. See you out there with Matt George at Sack Yard. Yeah. I have a prediction that Davion's going to have a big game during this trip. I think it's time we... I think it's going to happen. Shut it down. I think it's going to happen. Do you have any thoughts? I don't think that's going to happen, but um, yeah. I, I think uh, I think the big thing with him is just going to be like, Keon's got to take himself off the floor for Davion to yeah, get minutes. Probably. Because I, I just, I don't... if Because Keon ain't making shots either, for sure, and that's going to leave the, do- the door open for Davion, but I think if Keon just hits a couple shots per game, I don't see how you can realistically take him off at this point. Yeah, and he shot and over forty percent last year from three. Taking care of the ball, I think, is going to be what really is the the sticking point here. Can you take care of the basketball? And he doesn't need to get a high assist rate or or score a lot of points, but play solid on ball defense. Right. Don't turn the ball over, and he's not going to lose his spot. But yeah, if he really struggles, and we see some really tough matchups for him, yeah. Also, I mean, I'm I'm wondering at what point. Does this is a, for a different podcast for a different different uh, day? But at what point do we have to take into account the days and games played, like the two league two way stuff? I think if it gets to the point where you're worried about it, you convert them because they could Petrusive. be Petrusive. is, I mean, seeing him in the pictures, by the way, in the, the post game yes. pictures is yes. hilarious. Yes, he just all right, man. He was there today. Um, looks looks tall. He. He is tall. He does looks, look tall. That's, that, that's sure. all. That's all we know the about him so far. Looked okay. The yeah. shot looked okay. We saw some wide open corner threes. For what it's worth, Javale hitting some corner threes too. It does not look. Well, that's okay, what Deuce, though, I will say. Deuce was saying that that's just kind of how crazy professional athletes are, as far as how bad they look, like in game at game speed on the floor, and then you see him just in a gym putting up shots, and they just can sink like eight of ten. Oh yeah. Three. Oh yeah. It Sasha just, made what like fifteen in a row Sasha, by the way today. Sasha's crazy. You had a great clip. That he posted. With JaVale in the background. Yeah. And then, of course, he misses it right after, though. It's hilarious. Sasha is crazy. We didn't talk much about him today, but the release is crazy. He's played well. The memes are hilarious. Mm-hmm. It looks like he's getting comfortable. And um, on that note, 4-2 and two road trip. Book it. 4-2 and two road trip. Let's do it. Um, last thing I'll add, Stockton Kings starting their season. Showcase Cup, um, which I don't even honestly understand all these different wordings and stuff. So whatever. Let's just say they're starting their season, even though it's not the regular season. It's the showcase. Cup. The Stockton Kings have started to play basketball games. They are playing basketball. They got killed by the Santa Cruz Warriors, who were playing literally all of their two ways and more guys. It was like Pajemski, Trace Jackson Davis, Key Santos, uh, Lester Keonis, Usman Garuba coming off the bench. Um, and then the Kings, you know, didn't have the same amount of guys. I think Jeremy Lamb had an okay game, but um, they're home opener is coming up here they're gonna have four home games during this king's road stretch so if anybody's looking for some other games to go to i guess stockton is is right there and colby jones assigned colby, colby so, jones sounds like he's Scal. gonna be here 
for Stockton rather than yes. on the trip in Sacramento. Unless like there's an injury, but yeah. uh, Scout, Scout Noel, Jeremy Lamb, mm-hmm. um, Deontay Burton, Chance Comanche, Jalen Noel. Yes. Uh, what is the name of the, the really tall kid that has a crazy wingspan that played in the summer league team? Jake Stevens. Jake Stevens. That's Chris's guy, Jake Stevens. He, right. He's on the roster. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I will probably come down there and see to watch a game. Yeah, so we will see. Um, it's going to do it. Yeah, anything yeah. else? Um, I've I've had a, a quite a podcast, quite yeah, an episode yeah. today, so I'm, I'm going to just shut up now. <laughs> well, that's going to do it. I appreciate everybody listening to this episode of the Return of the Roar podcast. If you enjoyed, um, please subscribe, like, and comments are always appreciated. Any sort of feedback and yeah, that's going to do it. Um, Kings are looking like themselves again, and we're hoping for a 4-2 and two road trip. Hoping for 3-3, three and three, predicting 4-2. and two. So we'll see. Peace.